Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. Glad to have you here. We are a Bible-based church out of Ontario, Canada, and together we're on a mission to reach people far from Christ and help them become devoted followers of Jesus. Did you know that in every group, in every church, and in every age, there are individuals who oppose God's work? It's hard to believe, but it's the truth. In our text this week, Peter is going to remind us of this truth and help us to identify the qualities and attributes of a false teacher. How do we respond to this? And how can we protect ourselves? So, buckle up as we learn to discern fakes and snakes as Pastor Nate brings you part three of his message series. Second Peter, and we're just kind of walking through verse by verse. Uh, I've been encouraging everyone to be reading this particular letter uh, through the week and becoming familiar with the text. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it right now to Second Peter. You'll find it right towards the end of the Bible, just a few books short of Revelation. So go ahead and open that up, and we're going to be reading from it today. When I was preparing this message, um, I was trying to narrow down the theme, and I initially started with uh, we're in chapter two, and I was one verses one through fifteen. And I started preparing my message, I went, okay, there's too much here, and I went 1 through 10. And then I went, oh, there's too much, and now we're down to 1 to 3. So we're looking at three verses today, and there's so much in it. It it took me half an hour to get through the first verse, uh, but there's so much here uh, for us to discover together. So I want to encourage you again to be reading this particular letter. Um, What you're going to see is that many of the themes we're going to see today uh, are found throughout the Bible. And this is something that we find each and every place. So I thought maybe it makes sense for me just to read the text we got three verses. Let me just read it. We won't put the words up on the screen. If you have a Bible, go ahead and follow along. So I'm going to read 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. I'm going to quickly pray, and then we're going to dive into it this morning. But false prophets... Now you know our theme. Excited. False prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them... Who bought them, I'm sorry bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Pretty encouraging stuff, eh? Let's uh, let's pray and just ask the Lord to bless the reading of this word. Father, thank you today as we read these words given by you, by the Holy Spirit, to Peter, to us. Lord, as we read you, we pray that our eyes would be open, that our understanding would be enlightened, that we would see and know what it is you'd speak to us today through these words. We pray, God, that as we read them and as we come to you with humility, uh, God, that you would change us and shape us through the reading of your word. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Awesome. Well, um, today we are in the second chapter. However, I just have to remind you, you probably know this, but you forget uh, I have to remind you that uh, this letter was actually didn't have chapter and verse when it was written. It was just like a letter, right? And so chapters and verses were added much, much later in history to help us to reference passages. And so I need to tell you that because what he begins with, he just all of a sudden starts talking about false prophets and teachers. And you're like, where is this coming from? What's all connected? So let me just take two minutes to connect a few of the ideas from chapter one, and you'll see the flow as we jump into these uh, texts today. In chapter one, uh, Peter starts by introducing himself as an apostle, servant, and an apostle. And then he says that God has provided everything we need for life and godliness. Everything in Christ, more than enough. Everything we need. 
And, and then he tells us that in spite of this, in spite of the fact that God has done everything for us, we're not just to sit on our, on our easy chair and relax, but we're actually to make every effort to supplement our faith, to grow in faith, in virtue, self-control, godliness, love, and other qualities. So we're, we're supposed to become more like Jesus. This is a process that we begin. Then he goes on to say, hey, when we told you about Jesus... It wasn't a myth. We weren't like telling you about the Greek and Roman gods, about how, you know, they came to be. We actually walked and talked to Jesus. We saw him open blind eyes. We saw him heal the sick. We saw him walk on water. He goes on to explain in chapter 1 about how they saw Jesus glorified. So they saw his heavenly form. His face was shining like the sun. And he heard a voice from heaven, him and his friends, saying, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. <laughs> He's like, this Jesus wasn't just, we're not claiming something, we're eyewitnesses to it. And he finishes chapter 1 with this incredible statement. We have something more sure. The prophetic word. In other words, that we have God who has revealed himself through the scriptures. His character, his personality, his will, his desires for us. All of it is revealed in scripture. And then he gives us a few sentences at the very tail end of chapter 1 that tell us how this thing came to be. Where did the Bible come from? And he says that God, by the Holy Spirit, inspired men to write down what God had revealed so that we could read it and study it and know God. And uh, last week I sort of ended with these three words, three big words, and I explained them this way. The first thing the Bible has is revelation. It means God has revealed himself. His word, his desire, his character. It's revealed in scripture. Secondly, inspiration. And this is the Holy Spirit led men to write down the things that God had said, to write down the things that they saw God doing. And so they wrote it down by inspiration of the Spirit. And lastly, this is so important, illumination. And this is where the same spirit that spoke, the same spirit that caused men to write it down, transforms and changes us. That's why two people can read the same passage and one goes, I don't get it. Or maybe I get it, but I don't care. And someone else reads it and their life is changed and transformed. That's the illumination of the spirit of God, bringing his word to life in each and every one of us. So, all that, Peter ends what we call chapter one by saying, God has spoken through his holy prophets to us. And we have it right here. Then he starts chapter 2, or what we call chapter 2, with this word. But. Everybody say but. You just said but in church. I just said. Uh, <laughs> whenever you say but, you're connecting two ideas. So, you, and again, we're entering into a new chapter, but this is continuation. He says, God spoke through the holy prophets, but false prophets also arose among the people. Let's stop there. God spoke through prophets like Moses and Elijah. But guess what? When Moses showed up and said, Thus said the Lord, here are the Ten Commandments, Korah and his buddies stood up and started saying something else. When Elijah the prophet showed up to declare the word of the Lord, guess what? The prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth also showed up. Wherever God's prophets showed up and spoke, there were other voices, there were other false prophets trying to steer people away from the one true and living God. Right? This is the history of the world. And what Peter's going to say is, guess what? Nothing has changed. There's nothing new in history. It happened 4,000 years ago with Moses. It happened 3,000 years ago with Elijah. It's happening now in the first century. And guess what? We're in 2024. It's still going to be happening. There will always be those who are false teachers among God's people who are trying to lead people astray. There's nothing new under the sun. So, Peter's warning us. And what I want to show you today is that this warning about false teachers is not some it's not something that Peter does alone. We're going to actually just see in just a moment, we're going to see Moses warns us from the same thing, way back in Deuteronomy. Then we're going to see Jesus warning us, and then we're going to see Paul warning us of all of the same thing. 
that amongst us there will be some, and this is crazy because I've said this in the first service. As a pastor, I like to think like everybody that attends Pastor Church is just all here because they love Jesus and everyone has pure motives and nobody would ever say or do anything to harm anybody else. And yet I know statistically it's not true. Because the scriptures say over and over again, beware, be careful, beware, be careful. And what we're going to learn today is that we need to learn to discern. We all say that together, learn to discern. We have to learn to discern false prophets, false teachers. We have to learn to discern the fakes and the snakes. That's actually the title of my message. Learn to discern the fakes and the snakes. It's catchy. So we're going to turn to Deuteronomy and we're going to look at uh, chapter 13. Again, probably not many of you have a bunch of underlines and underscores in the book of Deuteronomy. But I want you to see that what Moses says is, is so, so relevant to today. In uh, Deuteronomy chapter 13, let me read it for you. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and flip open and follow along. Uh, he says this, If a prophet or dreamer of dreams arises among you, gives you a sign or a wonder. Let me stop for a second. I don't know what comes to mind for you when I say the word prophet. Like for some of us, we think of like Elijah or John the Baptist, right? So this like drifter in the wilderness that shows up and tells everybody what they're doing wrong. And you're like, that sounds like my uncle. But you, you might think of that, or maybe if you grew up in a church where the prophetic gift was in operation, then you're thinking of somebody saying, thus saith the Lord, and they say a word to the church. Okay, that's a, a prophecy. Or maybe you're part of a church where a prophet, so prophet Bob comes to town. And this, and this person shows up, and they're a, they're a man of God or a woman of God, and they show up and they say, like, this is what God is saying to this, to, to this church, and we should listen. And this is what God is saying to you, and to you, and to you. This is the prophetic office, okay? So maybe, depending on your background, you're thinking all different things when I say the word prophet, but here's something that you need to be really clear about. Anybody who claims to communicate what God is saying is acting as a prophet. When I'm up here today saying, here's what the Bible says and here's how it applies to your life, I am acting as a prophet. I'm not calling myself a prophet. But it's the act of saying, this is what God says to you. And here's what we're going to learn. We, each and every one of us, must learn to discern. We must listen to the words that are being spoken. And as you're going to see, we must watch the lives of those who speak to truly understand if it is from God or not. Let's continue. He says, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder. And the sign or a wonder that he tells you comes to pass. So this guy tells the future and it comes to pass. But wow, this person knows what they're talking about. We should listen. And if he or she says, let us go after other gods, which we have not known. And let us serve them. Here's the instruction. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. In other words... I don't care how smooth they talk. I don't care how good it sounds. I don't care if it, if it tickles your ambition. I don't care if they did a miracle. If it does not align with what God has already said, if it causes you to drift away from God and not towards Him, don't listen. Everybody say, don't listen. And I will include myself in this passage. I do my best every Sunday to stand up here and be faithful to God's Word and teach what I believe and know to be true. But I'm not perfect, and I might say something that isn't correct, and it's actually your job to discern. It's your job to go, is what Pastor Nathan said true? I'm going to look that up for myself. I'm going to search the Scriptures to know for myself. See, I don't want a bunch of people who follow me. I want a bunch of people who follow Jesus. You with me? And if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you must learn to discern. You must learn to open up this book. And find out what God has said. He continues 
And he says, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet. For the Lord your God is testing you. Interesting. To know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You will serve him and hold fast to him. He says, God wants to know if you really, really, really love and obey him. That's what he wants to know. And over the years, I've had people come to me like, you you know, they'll come and they'll say, you know, I, just the Lord, he's just, he's just um, telling me not to forgive that person. I'm like, no, he's not. Because that contradicts what he said. Oh, Lord wants me to move in with my girlfriend, you know. I'm like, no, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. Oh, the Lord, the Lord just told me that, you know, I, there's all this conflict and to make peace, I'm just going to run away from the problem and go to another church. Like, no, I don't think that's what he's saying. See, it's amazing sometimes that we, we can feel led by our emotions. We can even have somebody use a scripture to tell us this is what, and we're like, oh, we love that. But we need to learn to discern. We need to learn to discern. And the only way to do that is through this, the word of God, which is why Peter said in chapter one, we have something more sure, the prophetic word. We must turn to scripture. We must learn to discern. You guys with me? Have I offended anybody yet? No, okay, just a couple of you. All right, Matthew seven. Who thinks we should listen to Jesus? That's more hands in the first service, so I appreciate that. Uh, Jesus is going to echo the same thing. I want you to see this. I want you to see this echo again and again and again through Scripture. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Beware of false prophets and false teachers who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. In other words, there will be people among you, Jesus is like. There will be disciples like Judas who look like a disciple, who act like a disciple, who say all the right things, but in the end... Their heart is twisted. And in the end, they're going to cause harm and division. He says there, there are wolves among the sheep. I got a picture of, you know, a herd of sheep. And you see, <laughs> there's one there that doesn't belong, but he looks like a sheep. He smells like a sheep. When you look into his eyes, you're like, this, this is not good. Right? He's there for another reason. And, and I'm telling you, over and over again, the scriptures tell us that we need to learn to discern. We need to be aware. We need to be aware that not everybody... In our family, not everybody in the church is going to be for us. That not everybody, I mean, everyone, we just assume everybody loves Jesus and has the pure motives. But that's not true. The scriptures tell us over and over and over again to be warned, to beware. So we need to learn to discern the fakes and the snakes. I like that because it rhymes. Learn to discern the fakes and the snakes. That's my title for today. Uh, let me just explain a couple things before we move on. Uh, first of all, that my purpose in this is just to warn you, just like Jesus and and. Moses and Peter to warn you that not everybody's for you to warn you um, that there will be false teachers amongst us right? you just need to know that you just need to be aware and, and here there's two extremes to everything that, that you teach on on the one hand the one extreme in this subject we have uh, what will we call naivete the person who comes to church and goes everyone loves Jesus and everyone loves me and I can trust everyone here you want to hold my wallet hey do you want to like just like come into my family do whatever trust everybody tell you all my secrets and just like you know just like trust her and then you find yourself like a lamb being led to the slaughter because somebody will eventually notice and take advantage of you then the other extreme is that you come to church so judgmental and critical you're like it's like a witch hunt right and you come to church and you sit in the back you're like that guy looked at me funny Probably a wolf in sheep's clothing. 
Pastor Nathan said something today, and I just don't know if it's theologically accurate. He's, he must be a snake, right? Like it's like you begin to you see somebody make a mistake or say something in anger or hurt, and you're like, oh, they're you quickly judge their heart and motives. And I'm gonna I'm gonna show you that we should not do that. So we've got to be aware, but we don't want to jump quickly to conclusions. So I'm gonna to try to find the middle of that line as we talk about how to discern the fakes and the snakes today. Okay? So let's look back at the words of Jesus. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothes, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Jesus says that um, you have to actually watch what people do. And I would add to that that you have to watch what they do over time. And the reason for that is because you can make a quick judgment that is often wrong. Uh, This is really important. Making a mistake does not make you a snake. Let me say that one more time because this is really important. Making a mistake does not make you a fake. All of us make mistakes. None of us will love perfectly. All of us will have mixed motives. Am I preaching to anybody? You guys are just looking at me like, all of us will make mistakes. It doesn't make you a snake. It doesn't make you a fake. It doesn't mean you're not a Christian because you made a mistake. So this is why we don't want to judge too quickly. Because you might see someone acting, acting selfishly and like, define them as a snake. But really, they're just struggling to figure things out. And they're working on it. So we have to judge the fruit over a long period of time. If you watch someone over years. And you look at not only their actions, but their motives over time. If someone is a snake, it will be revealed. I assure you. I assure you. And so we want to watch and, and take a look over time. Uh, Jesus goes on a few verses later to say that some people will show up to him on judgment day. And they'll be like, Jesus, look at all the stuff we did for you. We preached. We prophesied. We spoke in your name. We did mighty works. And you know what Jesus is going to say to some of them? I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You didn't do what I said to do. You didn't obey my word. That's a strong words. And then Jesus continues in the next verse, Matthew 7, 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine. I'm going to keep holding up my Bible until somebody gets it. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So, how do we learn to discern fakes and snakes? Well, it starts right here. If you don't know what God has said, how will you know when someone's twisting it? If you don't know what God has said, how will you discern? So what I want to do today is we're going to go back into 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. He says, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. What I want to do is these next two and a half verses that we're going to examine um, in 2 Peter actually give us something of a character step. It's going to give us some of the qualities and characteristics of false teachers, those who twist the truth. And hopefully as we listen to these qualities, we can examine our own heart and go, is that true of me? So we can repent and change. Or we can uh, add these to our arsenal as ways that we can identify those who would be out um, to lead us astray. Does that make sense? So let's let's dig into it here. So 2 Peter chapter 2, uh, 1, it says, false teachers will be among you. And then we find our first characteristic of a false teacher. Secretive. It says, who will secretly bring in destructive heresy. Snakes make a lot of S sounds, so I thought I would add a dramatic effect. False teachers are secretive. Hey, come here. I have a secret to tell you. Do you know how dangerous that is? Hey, did you did you see what so and so did? I wonder why they did that. I wonder why they did that. 
they just walk away and they're like, I don't, I don't know why they did that. Well, I did though. Maybe they're a bad person. Maybe, maybe they're seeing something that I didn't see. You can poison people with a simple question. And I'll tell you, I believe that we all need a safe place. We all need a mentor. We all need somebody in your life that you can share your thoughts and process with. A counselor, a mentor, a friend, a parent, whatever it is. But I'll tell you, confidentiality and secrets can also be a tool to poison people. And I see this all the time. I see it happens in church all the time. It's like, oh, did you see what so-and-so did? I mean, oh, isn't that terrible? And the other person's like, well, I didn't notice that. But now that you brought it to my attention, that's like, what are you going to do then? Somebody just told you what they saw. And then you're like, well, I can't go talk to them about it or else they'll, they'll know that I told their secret. And so now we're caught in this stupid loop where, where we're believing the worst of people and gossip and poison starts to spread. It's It's horrible. It's horrible. And so this can be used, it's, it's, a, it's a tool of the devil. Think about it, in the garden, Satan, who is the, serp, the great serpent of old, right? What did he do in the garden? He saw Adam and Eve, and he asked a question. Just a simple question. Questions are harmless. Did God really say? Did he, did he really say that you die? Did you give all this fruit? You can eat all of it, but not that one. What's he holding back from? This is all in the question, right? It's buried underneath. It's like, oh yeah, you can't eat that one, huh? And it, it plants a seed of doubt. Maybe God doesn't want what's best for me. Maybe God is keeping something from me. Seductive. It's secret. I'm sure Satan was like, shh, come here. Before God comes back. <laughs> and he asked them this question, and they begin to doubt God. Romans 16, Paul writes this again. I want you to see this coming from every angle, again and again and again. Same message. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters. Watch out. We've been warned. We've been told to beware. Now he says, watch out. For those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. What does he say to do with those people? Avoid them. One thing I didn't read back in Deuteronomy 13 it actually says that we're to discern those prophets and not to listen to them. And after, it says, kill them. And I didn't read you that part, so I don't want anybody to get all crazy on me. Okay? Okay? The New Testament equivalent is we still must discern, but then we get away. There are not many times in Scripture we're told to get away, but this is one of them. Okay? Lust is another one. It's like, just get, just run, just run. Get away. Because there are some battles you're not supposed to fight. And the thing is, I believe that Christians, we can have we can have friends that are Christians, we can have friends that are non-Christians, we have work friends, we can have all these circles of community and friends. And, and God doesn't say, stay away from people who are sinners in the world. He actually says, stay away from Christians who are divisive. Stay away from Christians who are divisive. Why? They'll poison your mind. And he says, run away. By the way, there's a difference between disagreement and divisiveness. Did you know that? Like you and I, could, we can disagree on theology, right? You, we can disagree on when the rapture's happening. We can disagree on certain things about the Bible and what it means. But there's a difference between disagreement and divisiveness. Divisiveness is when you come in to destroy. You come in to, not to figure it out together in love, but actually to cause harm. Paul says, watch out for those. For such a person does not serve the Lord Christ, but they serve their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they just the hearts of the naive. I want you to catch this. It's subtle. It's like, this is what God says, and it's true. We'll just twist it just enough that it no longer honors God. And they deceive the hearts of the naive. 
By the way, what happens, and this is, this is another test you can use. Are you believing something that is false doctrine, not true, false teaching? Here's how you know. You know, because it says in 2 Peter, again back in verse 1, we're still in verse 1. They secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Any doctrine that is not from God will actually cause you to walk away from God. If you believe something that is not true, or if God's word has been twisted, the more you follow it, the more you do it, the further you will get from God. And this is actually a great test. I've had people over the years come to me and they're like, Pastor, I found this new theology. Interesting. I'd love to hear about this. Hey, I found this podcast. I found this book. It's so amazing. It's unlocked the Bible to my brain. And I'm like, amazing. I, love, I want my brain unlocked. But can I read it? And they'll send me the stuff and I'll look at it. And sometimes it's really good. And I'm like, this is awesome. I agree. This is wonderful. And sometimes a flag goes up. I'm reading. I'm like, this is all good. And they're quoting lots of Bible verses. But it smells a little bit like wolf. I'm just like, something's off. There's something about the motive. There's something about what they're teaching that's off. And I'll actually warn, and I have warned people, I'm like, I don't think this is good. I don't think this is from the Lord. There's a twist here. And I try to explain to them, oh, no, 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 it's great. And I say, okay, awesome, awesome, okay, carry on. A year or two later, not in church, not serving. And sometimes, in extreme cases, not even walking with the Lord anymore. And that's a result of anything that's twisted and not true will ultimately draw you away from God. And that is the plan of any false teacher. It's the plan of Satan to separate us from our Father. And so I, there have been some other things that have surfaced. I've been a Christian for over 40 years. And I've seen some weird and wacky stuff happen in church. Weird theologies. I remember, I don't know if any of you were around for the laughter movement. That was fun. You're like, what's that? Oh, literally. Oh, yeah, the evangelists come to town and everyone just fall over and laugh for two, three hours and we go home. It's amazing. Laughter in the Holy Spirit. I've uh, been through like all kinds of different things like that. And you know what? Not all of it's bad, actually. Some of it's really good. In fact, but the thing that I've always done is I've always tried to take a long view and be like, where is this leading? See, if you come to church and laugh for two hours and go home and love Jesus more, I'm okay with that. I think Jesus is okay with you laughing. It's good like a medicine. But if you come to church and laugh and fall off your chair and it's a comedy show and then you go home and nothing changes or you find yourself falling further away from God, this is where the fruit, this is where we examine the fruit. Like, that, that can't be of God. And there are lots of things. I'll see people get into weird theology, but if they love Jesus more, I'm okay with it. And you can get into end times, study of the end times. And I'll tell you this. When you study the end times in Revelation, Daniel, etc., very interesting. There's multiple streams of thinking that lead you. And some people study the end times and become more judgmental, more critical, and less connected with the local church. There's something twisted in there. But if you're studying the end times and you are longing for Christ to return, and you're serving your church and sharing your faith, and loving Jesus more every day. You're doing it right. There's a difference and there's a twist somewhere. So I'm trying to teach you guys how to identify, how to discern, okay? How to discern what is false and what is true. And you do that by what? Watching the fruit. What is the fruit of it? Now we get to verse 2. What time? Okay. We got, we got four minutes. Bear with me. Bear with me. I might take a few extra. But many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. So he says, one of, the, one of the other earmarks of false teaching is that it will be all about you. What you want. Your desire. And I would say this. Any Bible teaching that you hear that makes everything about you and what you want and how to get what you want, they might quote verses, but it's subtle. It's not about Jesus. It's about you. 
And that's a trick. Because when it's about you, it's not about Jesus. And that's exactly what Satan wants. They will follow their sensuality. Uh, Paul writes this, 2 Timothy 4, verse 3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but will have itching ears. It's an interesting phrase. They'll accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander to myth. In other words, people will literally go and try to find somebody who's saying what they want to hear so they can have their faith in Christianity and God the way they want it. I call this Christianity a la carte. Whenever you go to a resort, they have the a la carte restaurant. And you get to go and you get to pick. You've got like super salad. And then you've got, you know, you want beef, chicken, or whatever. Uh, vegetarian. I never picked that option. And then there's like the desserts, and you got you multiple desserts. You get to pick everything you want. You just kind of choose it all as you go a la carte. So like, and many people today are like, I want faith a la carte. I want Christianity a la carte. Can I tell you something, guys? There's no Christianity a la carte. There's one way. There's one Savior. There's one truth. Our church is called Pathway Church because there is one path, one way, and his name is Jesus. It's not Pathways. Don't put the S on there. I'll come after you. I hate that. Um, people are like, oh, you're from Pathways Church. That's cringe. I'm like, no. I know. Pathway. There's one way, and it's Christ. It's not Christianity a la carte. By the way, people think that this is some new idea that we'll craft Christianity in a way that suits us, and, it's, and it works with our culture, and it works with this, and it works with my desires, and all stuff. I'm like, no, no, no. It doesn't work like that. In fact, that idea is not new. It's actually the second oldest sin in the Bible. Did you know this? Let me share this with you. Um, it's the sin of Cain. Adam and Eve were the first to sin. They doubted God. They ate the fruit. And because of their sin, what God says, He said, in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. But of course, they didn't physically die. Of course, what happened was, um, when they sinned, something else had to die. See, Cain and Abel, if you read their story, um, they come to offer sacrifice to God. And Cain and Abel each offer sacrifice to God. And God looks at Abel's sacrifice and he goes, accept Cain offers his best and God goes, and Cain's furious. To understand, because it doesn't tell you why God rejected Cain's offering, but to understand why, we go back to the garden and to their parents and what they experienced. And here's what happened. When Adam and Eve sinned, the wages of sin is death. But instead of God knocking Adam and Eve dead because of their sin, God actually killed some animals instead. And it says that God made Adam and Eve clothing out of animal skins. God killed some animals instead of killing Adam and Eve. And then took the skins of those animals and covered their sin. Introducing the sacrificial system, which is why the Jews, for thousands of years, sacrificed animals. God required something to die instead of us. And you might say, well, why don't we sacrifice animals today? Because Christ showed up, the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the earth, and Christ is our sacrifice. He went to the cross and bore our sin, and because He did so, we can be forgiven. And because He died in our place, we are clothed in His righteousness. Skin wrapped around us, the Lamb. We're made right because of what Christ did. This is why... God didn't receive Cain's sacrifice. Let me explain. Cain and Abel knew what God required. He required animal sacrifice for all the reasons I just stated. Abel takes the best of his flock, kills it, watches the blood lead out of that animal that he cared about and offers it to God because of his sin. Cain shows up and goes, I'm bringing my best to my vegetable garden. Well, vegetables are great, but God's like, no. 
You can't worship me the way you want to. You have to worship me the way I require. And there's a reason for it, because it pointed to Christ and our forgiveness and all of us. Anyway, does that make sense? So we do the same thing as Cain. We show up, we're like, God, I worship you my way. Here's my vegetables. And God says, no. They won't receive it. Verse 3, final verse. Wrapping up. And in their greed, this is another quality of false teachers. In their greed, they will exploit you with false words. So the motive, we've got to be careful weighing other people's motives because, uh, again, over time, it becomes clear. It's not always clear in the moment, but greed being a motivation for them, it says that they will exploit you with false words. Did you know that Jesus is the good shepherd? He leads us beside still waters. He leads us in the green pastures. He restores our soul. He's the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep, right? He, God, Jesus wants something for you, but there are those who would want to take something from you. They're not, they're not trying to feed the flock. They're trying to fleece it. Trying to take what they can from you. And again, Paul, Peter, Moses, they're all saying the same thing. Be careful, be careful. There are those among you who do this. He says, in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Next week, we're going to get into this wonderful conversation about Christ's return and judgment of the world. that's fun. Get ready for that. But he literally says, don't you know, nobody gets away with anything. Christ will judge all. And he has a special judgment for those who come in and cause divisiveness in the church, deceive and trick others as well. So how do we end this fun sermon today? Well, I think um, maybe the, the place to end would be to recap some of what we've talked about and hopefully find some application. You may hear things. You may read things that sound good, look good. Michael, that sounds like Jesus. It sounds good. It sounds biblical, but it may not be good. And it is your job and mine to be able to discern we need to learn to discern. And the only way we're going to learn to discern anything is by knowing what God has already said. Because if you don't know what he said, you won't know what the truth is. If you don't know what he said, you won't be able to discover what the lie is. And so we must be people of the word. I want to remind you that making a mistake does not make you a fake or a snake. In fact, um, as I said earlier, we all make mistakes. But you know how you really tell because there have been moments when, when I've failed and I've sinned and I've thought to myself, maybe I'm just a phony. I'll tell you how you know you're not a snake. If your heart is humble and if there's repentance and sorrow for your mistake. And if you're calling out on God to forgive you and seeking to move in the right direction. Snakes don't do that. When snakes are revealed, they slither away. But if you're like, I'm not slipping away. I'm, I'm moving towards Christ. I'm coming with humility to repent. That's how you know. I made a mistake. But I'm moving in the right direction. And it's also, if you see somebody consistently running, running, running away from God, then who knows? But all we can do is assess our own hearts. All we can do is say, where am I? All we can do is pursue Christ for ourselves. And be aware. Lastly, I want to say motives matter, but so do our actions. This is so important. Because there's two camps. There's people who go, oh, it's all about motives. It's all about motives. Oh, he, he, he's such a good person. His heart is so good. He, he abuses me. But he's good. No. Motives and actions. Motives and actions. Motives and actions. Other people say, oh, they just do all the right things. And they're so good. And they're so loving. But they're doing it for their own ends. Motives and actions. God weighs them both. So we need to be aware of that. Again. 
Learning to discern. Obedience um, to God. Moving in his direction is how we know. Um, our responsibility is to discern the words of others, to discern what is from God and what is not. We do that through the word. We need to guard our hearts. We need to assess the fruit of our lives and the fruit of others. And obey God no matter what the consequences. I know it's uh, not the most fun message in the world. But it's one we all need to hear. Uh, over my lifetime, I've heard a lot of things that are not true. Some of them I believe, some of them I reject. And the longer I walk with Jesus, the more I know what his word says, the quicker I can discern a snake in the grass. And I want that for you. As pastor, what I want is for you guys to be able to discern what's good and right. And I want you to be committed, like Deuteronomy 13, to doing what God has said, no matter what, no matter what the cost. That's what the blessing is. Can I pray for you? Father, thank you for every person listening today. Thank you for this time we've had together to sing praises about your goodness, to reflect on who you are. God, I know the lies of the enemy. God really say that? Does he really want what's best for you? If you obey him, if you do that thing, it's going to cost you. God, we just trust that you are faithful and you are good, and that when we take steps in your direction, humility and repentance. You have our best in mind. You're a good father. You love us. Help us to remember this every time. God, help us to be people who are discerning, not judgmental, not critical, not naive. But aware, discerning, gracious, full of love. Because that's exactly how you are. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives and in this church. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Well, that's it for us today. Uh, I want to dismiss the service. Invite you to come back next week to so we talk about the judgment of God. It's going to be a great time. Uh, uh, hopefully, we'll see you there. And uh, have a great week, guys. Be blessed. Well, that's it from us. Thank you so much for tuning in. For any more information you need, feel free to reach out to us on any of our socials at Pathway Church PTBO. That's it. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time.